Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Well, Coomer, it's another day, another W, which means the Cincinnati Bearcats are the greatest football team in all the land of the state of Ohio, which means it is a great fucking day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat football fan. Whew. Indeed it is, sir. Indeed it is. And you are getting the F-bombs off early. That's the, the only one. That's I've used my limit. The excitement is palpable. The, um, that's despite, my limit. I hit my limit. Despite a game, I would say, against Murray State that I actually had to watch uh, after the fact, due to you know coaching obligations of U eight's girls soccer, uh, as well as uh, a birthday party that followed that soccer game. So I did. Unfortunately, I didn't get to experience that first half live, which maybe saved me some years on on the back end of my life. But before we get into Murray State and talking about that otherwise very solid forty two seven beatdown of a, a inferior opponent. We should probably talk about the elephant in the room, as Keith Jenkins described it in Luke Fickle's press conference today. And that is the fact that USC athletic director Mike Bone decided to part ways with the USC head football coach, Clay Helton, which obviously means that Luke Fickle's name is attached to another high profile job. And already we've heard Luke Fickle speak up in a press conference and basically swatted it away, swatted away effortlessly saying now is not the time. Now is not the place. I have no thoughts on this matter. My attention and focus is on the task at hand with these number eight nationally ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. And I think Hummer even even used the term, the grass isn't always greener. Yes, he did. Um, not going to lie. This is one of those ones where I'm not discounting the level of reverence that people have for the, the the job being USC. We know they have gobs of money, you know, just just parked away uh, in some sort of illegal you know, offshore scheme that they use to pay Reggie Bush off in the past. Uh, but I wasn't worried. When I heard this job came up, I'm like, that's this doesn't seem like a job that Luke Fickle is going to you know, be clamoring over. Cause I truly do think there's only two jobs in this world, um, at least from a college perspective that we should be afraid of. And one of them is the university of Notre Dame. If Brian Kelly were to get fired and for some reason, Mar- Marcus doesn't Freeman doesn't get that, that head coaching position, which I'm thinking that's been alluded to. Eh, Brian Kelly kind of alluded to it, but the fact is right now their defense is very much underperforming. Right. I highly doubt Marcus Freeman is I know, the first I just, in line I just, for that job. I just done but, it out there because we yeah, did hear that. But we did. We did hear it from Brian Kelly himself. And then the second thing is it's obviously Notre Dame. That's you know, it's, he's from Columbus, played at Columbus. Ohio State. Ohio State. Did I say the team in Columbus? You said Notre Dame. Well, I meant I meant Columbus oh, State. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Columbus State, uh, changing Ohio State to a, a directional school, Northern Cincinnati State, <laughs> because they are the second best, uh, second best team in the state of Ohio. Uh, they just happen to be north of the greatest city in the state, being Cincinnati, home to the greatest uh, university uh, football school. So, 
um, oh, just gotta get that stuff off my chest there. So those are the only two schools. Look, I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I don't care. I, I truly do not think that Fickle's leaving for that job. It just, we know too much about him as an individual that for him to uproot his very large family to move them to Southern Carol, California, where he's already even said in that press conference, look, I don't even talk to my family that much because I'm in season. He has, he's, he's big in the family uh, some, when it's, some when of it's that, off season. And, and I completely agree. I know what you're you. saying. I, I don't have a ton of ang- angst about this position opening, right? Like I don't, I don't see Luke fickle jumping toward uh, jumping to California and going to USC and kind of trying to dominate this new territory when he's got so much capital built up in this Midwest region. He has history at the Ohio state university. Uh, he has, he has certainly would have interest in a program like Notre Dame. Those two are completely understandable. I think what, what the national media fails to appreciate about Luke Fickle. And I think that he's unique in this way is that he's, he has not been someone as a head coach who is e- he's not overly eager to just take any job for that quick pay raise or that quick, uh, you know, a job that might come with a little bit more prestige than the University of Cincinnati. But in reality, it's not that great of a job. It doesn't put him any closer to achieving his dream of being in the college football playoff or winning a national championship. I think so many coaches make the mistake of being overzealous and just jumping at that first big time opportunity. And let's just call it a power five opportunity that comes their way. You know, the money looks nice. The paychecks look nice, but in reality, is it a good fit between that coach's personality, that coach's style of, of coaching and leader and culture building and what the university is actually bringing to the table and what they, what they lean on as, as a university, Luke fickle seems to understand where he is going to best fit in, where he can best succeed and because he's not in a rush, he's willing to continue building at the University of Cincinnati, staying focused on the task at hand and trying to accomplish something special at a school that just got moved up into the Big 12 here in a couple of years. Um, and he knows he's keeping his eye on the prize, realizing that there's big, 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 big things that can be accomplished right here at the University of Cincinnati. But the last thing I'll throw out on this too is I hear a lot of you know a lot of the things. Well, if he goes to the USC, all of a sudden he'll get you know these those recruits from Texas. He'll get the recruits from California. His what makes him so special at the University of Cincinnati, and what makes him so unique and uniquely I don't want to word qualified or but uniquely successful in this role is that he's done such a good job of developing these local connections with the local high school coaches in this area. Right. And so by going to California, he has to restart on it. And that's not saying he can't do it. You know, he's a, he's a, a, a really good coach and has all the power in the world to be successful anywhere. But the point is you have to restart that process. You don't have that instant cachet, that instant uh, goodwill, if you would, from those coaches down there to be able to just say, all right, all of a sudden you're now taking USC to 11 wins in their, in their second season, your, your first season there. Uh, but that's something he's always had around here because he's been from here. He's recruited at Ohio state. He's recruited here. And, you know, frankly, we saw him turn down a big power five job. We did. We saw him turn down Michigan state already. I'm, I, he's picky. He's going to be picky and it could be Cincinnati could be the sticky spot. Maybe he is sitting there looking at him like, you know what? 
If you go to Ohio State, Ryan Day wins a national championship there. He doesn't get a statue. He's just another guy that won a, a national championship at Ohio State. If you're Luke Fickle and you win a national championship at University of Cincinnati, you get a statue. You get the field named after you. The stadium's always going to be Nipper, but that'll be Luke Fickle Field. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I the whole legendary. Be, you can be a legend, or you can be a guy who's done it. I think what you other just people become, have done. You become mayor of the city of Cincinnati. Like I think every <laughs> single title that can be given to him is given to him if that happens. Um, look, Amr, I I completely agree with you. I tend to think what you're describing as the reasons he'll stay and what we've historically attached to Luke Fickle, which is like his, his connections to the region, the family. Um, all of these are things that other coaches get around, right? We hear this about other coaches that they have these connections to such and such school. And then they take the big paycheck. They leave anyway, because everybody has a price. It's Luke Fickle is just a different breed. Like this is actually the first coach I can remember in college sports, um, maybe besides Chris Peterson, who stayed at Boise State for much longer than everybody expected, where Luke Fickle seems to understand like, hey, I can accomplish pretty much everything I want to accomplish on the football field from a competitive standpoint. I think I can build it here at UC, at the University of Cincinnati. He's actually someone who's put, put his money where his mouth is. And those types of reasons that he's going to stay, the sentimental reasons are actually valid with this guy. We, we understand that there's a line. There's always going to be, you know, there are opportunities out there that we think he realistically would take. But again, this is just someone special. He's someone different. He's built different. He's more patient. He's not as, um, he just doesn't seem as desperate for that elevation and prestige as some of these other coaches are, which ends up being the, nail in the coffin for him down the line because they go to a job that's not a good fit for them personally. So it's a, it's something that is allowing Luke fickle to continue to succeed here. It's a reason we as Bearcat fans have to panic. We get to panic less about all this stuff. Um, and, and honestly, you know, it, I'm it, not, feels, it feels good not to panic. I'm not, an, but I'm not even an annoyed that his name comes up, right? Like I, I see some people are annoyed by this. The reality is if you're an AD and you have a major college football program, and, and you have a position come open, you'd be an idiot not to think about Luke Fickle. And it doesn't mean you can't ask. Certainly, you probably are going to reach out. Unfortunately for you, he's going to say no to about 98% of the colleges out there. Look, if he were, to, if, if the worst were to happen and we were to just completely way off base on this, you know, um, Coastal Carolina is now probably scared, you know, because their coach is probably coming to Cincinnati. You know what I mean? So every fan base has this in a sense. There is kind of a, a pecking order at times. The difference here is I just don't think Luke Fickle, he's, he has, if he has the, even if he had, he may not even have these jobs. I, I don't, I don't, I haven't talked to him. I don't think for him. He may not even have those actual jobs that we're talking about in his mind, right? He's not sitting there thinking, you know what? My, my, my goal is to be the coach at Ohio state. His goal is to win championships at the university of Cincinnati. That's his goal right now. And so that's what he's doing. And he has all the resources he needs. He's getting all the help he needs from the university. We're giving him everything he wants. His family lives here. They're happy. And look, yeah, can you go get paid $6 million over at USC? Yes, you can. But he's still getting paid millions of dollars here. And frankly, the cost of living is a lot different to build the mansion compound that he has here versus 
versus California. It's just, it's a different thing. I'm not worried about it. I think, I think we spent too much time in our, on already. Honestly, uh, we have, we've gone far too to long on. on this. It is <laughs> time, time to move, move on. Let's talk about actual happenings in the college football landscape relevant to the university of Cincinnati. I don't necessarily need to linger on this next, next topic too long, but I think it is worth bringing up every week throughout the season because the earlier we spot shenanigans, the better when it comes to rankings. And this week, the newest AP rankings came out and we saw, we saw the university of Cincinnati move down a spot. I think they had moved all the way up to number seven after week one. And then this week they find themselves down to eight, despite a 42, seven victory over Murray state, which despite aesthetic appearances in the first half, we play four quarters of football and we dominated the team. It's a two and a record for a preseason top 10 team. It's it's idiotic to see us move down a spot. In my opinion, we moved down because Iowa moved all the way up to number five. Previously, they were at number 10, so they moved up five spots. And then also Oregon went to Ohio State, beat them down. There's The score was actually worse. Uh, I would say the beatdown was worse than the score reflected. They went from 12 all the way up to number four. So they moved up eight spots. And that is largely the reason that the Bearcats slid down a spot. So I ask you, Hummer, your initial reaction to the AP poll this week. The one that I ironically have the least problem with is, is Oregon uh, moving up. Like, yeah, you went into Ohio state, you ended one of the longest home winning streaks in the country. Uh, you did it in a capacity crowd. You did it with some style, you know, you in, from what we know, maybe Ohio state's overrated too. They had, they struggled early against uh, Minnesota the first week. Um, you know, so we saw that, but, Iowa is just absolutely egregious. That is an egregious, absurd move because, as we know, Indiana is not as good as we thought they, as, as people think they are. And Iowa State for, is clearly not as good either. They struggled mightily against the directional school of Iowa. I think it was Northern Iowa uh, who they played their, their first game struggled mightily to, to come out with a, a slim victory. That would better be the equivalent quite literally of us barely beating Murray state where we Correct. struggled. That would be struggling game. for four quarters, four quarters, not to four, no, all four no, quarters. It would, it would be, it would not be ripping off 42 unanswered points. That that's the difference. And so, and that and is this the week, difference. Let's make mention of it. Iowa state last week, they were ranked ninth. So they were actually two spots below us. They moved down only five spots after after losing to Iowa pretty pretty handedly, but also like you said, a, a very unconvincing win week one. This is an overrated team. This is a team not living up to preseason expectations. Yet Iowa is rewarded five. They're getting, spots re they're getting for rewarded them? as if they beat two top ten teams. And we've and rehashed this. They've they've won like five or six games in the series consecutively. We, like this isn't a matchup they've struggled with. We know what the reason is, though. It's because you have to have a, top, a Big Ten team. In the, you have to have the Big Ten team in the top five. You have to have right. them right outside the playoff because we, here's what happens when they play Ohio State later on. Ohio State redeems themselves by beating them, and then all of a sudden Ohio State's not worthy again um, for the playoff, for the eyeballs that you need in, in this ranking. Um, so Oregon should still be worried. Yeah, well, no <laughs> doubt. And I think <laughs> that's, that's a funny way to phrase it. I think um, 
look, we, we both understand this isn't the official college football playoff rankings. Those will come out yeah. later in the season. These are the AP rankings. They, they largely sync up pretty well. I do agree with you. Like the, the positioning of these teams, it's so much easier for a program like Iowa to jump five spots after a victory over a team that maybe, maybe not will finish in the, uh, finish in the top 25 overall. Whereas Cincinnati can win every single game on their schedule. We can go to Indiana this week, beat them convincingly, go to Notre Dame two weeks after that, beat them convincingly. We're still not ever going to see that level of respect. Like maybe if we beat beat Notre Dame handily and we're going to that game undefeated, I think we will get that level of respect. Where we jump undefeated. Like, do we jump teams that didn't lose? We could, uh, depending, I got it. You got, I don't think that happens. That's what I'm saying. Like, unless chaos happens ahead of us, we don't get rewarded like that. We will not. I, I don't, I have a hard time seeing Cincinnati jump teams that don't lose in the current construct. There's no way that's going to happen. And that's, that's my frustration with the system. Some teams get rewarded for that. Some teams do not. Well, at the end, I don't think you're going to have four undefeated teams. That's, that's going to be, that's the first thing coming out of my mouth. You're going to have Alabama and Georgia probably playing at some point. You do have Alabama and Texas A&M coming up. And you also have Texas A&M has actually a pretty tough schedule. So depending on if they're, you know, are they truly good? Is their quarterback, was he injured this week? Which team? I'm sorry. Texas A&M. Yes, they, they're, they're starting quarterback. Got, took an injury. I think he's got like a break in his leg. So they have a tough game coming up against an Arkansas squad that's coming up and he, he could still be out for that in two weeks. Um, so, you know, we could be looking at a Texas A&M thing, but I think like we go in and we do our business against Notre Dame Clemson, we're ahead of them. If Texas A&M, you know, that's, that's the team that we're going to jump. If we go in and take care of business in South Bend. I hope you're right. I don't think you're right. I hope you're right. I don't think you're right. Well, you know what? There's only one way to find out. Bearcats got to play the game. Bearcats got to do their job. They got to go out win there the games. Get, they got to get it done. And in order to get that done, we'll transition into the game here. I, I want to transition into the game, but I also think we're, we're not doing proper justice to the weekend you just had in Cincinnati. And I think I need to give you the floor a little bit here. And, and this will probably go hand in hand with the game. So we'll kind of, you can use this as a way to transition us naturally seamlessly into the Murray state Cincinnati game. But the reason we're recording the podcast late this week is the fact that you came into town and just absolutely had a dominant triple-double type performance while visiting here. You, you attended the tailgate on Saturday. You went to the Murray State game. You went to the tailgates for the Bengals game. I don't know if you went to the game or not, but you were just all over the place meeting people left and right. Take us there, Hummer. How was your weekend in Cincinnati? Well, first off, we gotta we gotta give a shout out to to Mr. G, uh, Mike for, for and over at the Republic of Cincinnati for hosting us at the tailgate. Uh, awesome setup there. They got this nice uh, a nice little trailer that they've built. It has the the game day on you know on the HD TV. They got the giant cooler packed with a bunch of different types of beer, cooking all kinds of food. They even have because I did learn this conference games. You're not allowed having noisemakers. Uh, so for non-conference games, they had the boomsticks. Uh, so we took some boomsticks in uh, <laughs> and snuck into the student section. That's another story for later on here. Um, so those guys are, for, first and foremost, absolutely fantastic hosts. I recommend if you're going down to the tailgate, you, 
you can go down there. You can meet up with them. They're a nice crew, throw them a couple bucks and, and, and have a good time. Um, if you will recognize another voice down there, um, Coomer goes, is going to be down there regularly, but also Joe Barnett, uh, also of the Republic of Cincinnati, always down there, but yeah, it's, it was fun. I hadn't been so living in Philly and living in New York. I was t- talking about this. I've been to more away games than I've been to home games in the last five years. Um, Cause I would go to the temple games. Uh, I would go to when UConn was still in the conference. I went to some UConn uh, Cincinnati games. Uh, I would just try to, you know, get around. It's basically what would happen. I'd, you know, so I didn't go, this is the first home game in a while. I missed it. I walked on campus and the new Leonard Center, oh my God, it's gorgeous. Uh, and it got me thinking. I, I was for some reason, I don't know why I got on this stuff, but I was looking at endowment funds and uh, this whole thing with Central Florida. Uh, just wanting to talk out absolutely all this crap out of their out of their rear ends. Do you know their endowment funds like $150 million? Ours is one point ours is one point six billion dollars, billion with a B. <laughs> And I'm sitting there thinking, you guys are spending all this money to build all these like power five, you know, sports athletic facilities. I'd be working on your, uh, for such a large alumni base, you need to get your donations up. Okay. Probably need to, to upgrade your campus facilities. I'm sure they need to get themselves an endowment pump, you know, like but they need to pump campus, it up a little bit. The campus looks incredible. All the, all the old dorms are starting to re, re-renovate, re-vent, yeah, renovate all the old dorms. A bunch of new buildings are popping up all over campus. It's fantastic. The grid, it's like I never left. It's awesome. Uh, it's awesome. And in the top it off, John Cunningham, true to his word, dropped off two pallets of ice for first come, first serve. Didn't even charge, man. You know, you got $30,000 for an education. At least they can give us a $3 bag of ice. Beautiful. <laughs> a bit of a heat check from John Cunningham. You know what? We, we, we sealed the deal on this big 12 invite We're we're moving conferences, got John Brandon up out of the paint, feeling good about myself. I've turned around the, the, the attitude toward me as an athletic director and really, really got some buy-in behind me. Let's go ahead and give the people some ice. Heat check. Yeah, yeah it's good. And you go down there too, and, and you see the level of support from all the other athletics, all the other ath- athletic departments down there. Uh, you know, basketball team was there. Um, everybody in the basketball squad was there. Um, yet some of the coaching staff was down there. Got to great, got to get great photograph of Mike Saunders Jr. That was that was a great photo. Spark best hair. I asked I asked him who has the best hair on the team. He said he said he's one A. Um, but so then we also you, you know you had the recruits on campus, which is their front and center too. So you can actually I don't know if you're allowed to, but I I don't know. I went up and said someone had he had some nice uh, Air Jordans on. They were the the reverse flu game, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. But no, got to see him. Also ran into Alex Meacham, had a good conversation with Alex Meacham, had a good conversation with Mike Saunders Jr. Uh, just a fantastic atmosphere down there. Uh, I miss it, man. I, I truly missed it. I think I texted you. I was like, I, 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 we're going to move back to Cincinnati just, just for I, this. I love the idea. I love the um, idea. And, and I've, we've seen people ask if, if there's ever going to be a Cincy slang and tailgate. I think that if you move back to Cincinnati, uh, that that will be a, that will be a must at that point. So I will give a nice shout out to the ruckus. They were there early. They were there. They were loud. They were fun. Uh, just as rowdy as we used to be back in the day. Uh, and they stayed pretty late into the game. And 
I was more wondering if that's because we weren't winning big towards the end that we were still kind of <laughs> in it, that the crowd stayed longer. Um, but no, they were great. The, the atmosphere in the stadium is I think unmatched. It's unparalleled to anything in college football. The only thing that makes it the experience better is nip at night, as you all know. So Bravo. I think it was, it was overall, it's a great day. That's a great experience going down to the, going down to our home games. It really is. It really is. And I think you just gave a great description of what makes it so special. So kudos to you had fun living vicariously through you with the photographs and the videos. And I mean, there's some content I haven't even posted yet that I think I will. Like there's a, there's a great photo of you and Meacham. Uh, there's a funny video of you. I think you were chugging a beer inside the Linder center. You were just raving about uh, lots of good content out there. I have, I've been curating it, filtering it accordingly. Um, but yeah, ultimately it's something that I hope we can do more of in the future where we get to road games, get to home games. I, I will say me becoming a U eight girls soccer coach has not been the perfect, uh, it hasn't matched up perfectly with watching college football every weekend because there are coaching duties and they tend to come right around the time that that football games are played. Wouldn't change it. Uh, but it is something that, uh, that's why I'm glad you're in town and able to go to the tailgate and and represent for the podcast down there. But let's go ahead and transition then into the game itself, which I think I mentioned it on Twitter at one point, I, about 15, 30 minutes into the game, I checked the box score and see that it's seven, nothing Murray state. And uh, that was, that was a bit, a bit precarious there for a bit. Let's just be happy that there's probably a lot of these national media type folks, the people who are turning in their ballots for their rankings, who probably just look at the actual scores because they're too lazy to look at the stats. Um, first off, the first half was, it was awful from the Bearcats perspective. It just, to me, they didn't come out. They weren't ready. They weren't ready to play. That's all it was. It was all mental. Uh, you know, they Murray state looked like they, legitimately knew how to beat us on D like they figured out the secret sauce. Um, and they, they genuinely looked like they knew how to be, they were driving the ball at will. Um, uh, we did get bailed out in a good ways by our defense coming up with some, some stops. They came up with an end zone, uh, uh an interception in the end zone, uh, which was phenomenal. You know, we did have a little bit of saving grace on a, on a nice little two yard throw. Um, from Des Ritter to Noah Davis. Yeah. I, I, when I rewatched that first half Hummer, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Cause I, I, I had a series of text messages from you that led me to believe it was one of the worst performances in the history of football. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case because the first look, half was, it was pretty ugly. It was, it was ugly, but it was driven by the Bearcats on their first two possessions just had three and outs. Like, and, and that paired, you pair that, which I know against Murray state, it's pretty much unacceptable. I'm just saying like the offense sputtered on, on a very low volume of plays. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't turnovers. It was, it was just bad passes. Like, you know, Ritter missed a couple by a lot. Um, the play calling I thought was less than ideal, which will lead me to some, another point down the line here. But then in addition to that, Murray State happened to mix in a couple of possessions there where they were very good at running the clock, which is exactly what their game plan would be. Am I surprised that our defense wasn't able to get them off the field quicker on their first drive? 
Sure. But, you know, those kind of quirky things can happen against a smaller school like this. It's not the end of the world. Um, I thought that it was a little more, it, it is a little more concerning that offensively we weren't able to impose our will more quickly in that game. But again, this is a game where we were able to end up scoring 42 unanswered points, 35, nothing in the second half. There wasn't a lot of uh, uncertainty there in terms of what was happening from a result standpoint and our, and our defense forced several turnovers, three interceptions. Um, it's, it's a very weird, quirky game, but you know, certainly something that I'm glad maybe we got it out of our system before the big matchups this, coming up this week. Yeah, I think the only thing that concerns me, um, you, you mentioned the play calling, and maybe this is by design against the Murray State team that you just don't want to be risky with your with your potential Heisman quarterback. Uh, but we only saw Des Ritter attempt to run the ball four times and had a total of negative four yards. So his legs were basically, you know, a moot point for this game. And as we know, that's something from last year when we started off when we said he needs to run the ball more. Uh, We saw a lot of struggling from him when he wasn't running the ball, when he wasn't keeping that an element of the game. Uh, You know, and that was something that made Miami, even though he only had 31 yards, he did have a, I think it was a 21 yard touchdown run. But that's something that you have, they have to keep in the back of your mind when he's having success doing that. On the other foot, though, we just took the ball and gave it to Jerome Ford and have him just freaking smash. Jerome Ford is an absolute stud. Right, he his, just his, his athleticism pops. He can break tackles. He's quick. He's got speed. Um, last season, a bit of a question mark from a ball security standpoint. Hasn't really been an issue so far this season. That's a luxury to have a guy like that in the backfield with Ritter as someone you can hand the ball off to and, and give him some additional work. I mean, I think he had a career high in carries in this game with 18 carries for 113 yards, yards, three tutties. I, it's going to be commonplace for Ford to see 18 plus carries a game. He's too good. He's too explosive. Um, he's too talented. He's, he's someone who can, who can continually punish a defense and his games go on. Murray State, he did a lot of his damage in the second half. I don't think that's a fluke. I think you're going to see him really punishing teams, wearing them down, and then continue to break tackles in the second half because of how strong he is as a runner. The other thing I'll say, Hummer, I, I do fully agree. We were we were actually chatting about this offline a bit. The fact that right now in the first two games, Ritter isn't looking to run as much as he will in the bigger moments. And I think that's intentional. I think that the that we call we call a bit we, we call plays a bit more aggressively against opponents like Murray State against Miami. We take more shots downfield. We're not we're not calling plays that are necessarily designed to just move the chains down the field. And I think that this is more of a a move the chains type offense, at least stylistically. Historically, with Des Ritter, that's what it's been about. It's not usually huge chunks downfield with deep throws, airing it out all over the place. We thrive on those on those short and intermediate passing routes. We thrive on running the ball. I think as you play teams like Indiana, Notre Dame, and then get into conference play, you're going to see more of that. You're going to see more designed runs for Ritter. You're going to see him break games open with his legs a bit more. And that's not a bad thing. Like, that's a good thing. He's really good at that. I think it's a missing element so far this season, and it's intentional, and it's completely fine in my book. It's why we're probably going to see a completely – I wouldn't be surprised going into Indiana, going into Bloomington, if you see a Bearcats offense that looks stylistically a bit more like it did in 2020 
once we got rolling against uh, the likes of likes of SMU, um, Central Florida, and so forth. I think you're going to see a lot more of that style of offense and play calling going forward. I think you're right. And one thing, though, I will, and we're just kind of getting into these, the, the PFF stats, the offensive grades. Uh, according to that, our offensive line played much, 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 much better against Murray State. Uh, and I think it did show in the second half. Uh, we were getting a lot of time for passing. We were getting a lot, a lot of, a lot of time to get work done. Drum Ford was getting good, good blocks out there. So I think you're right, though. We need to just. We're going to have to see Des Ritter get get more involved with the legs, especially against better competition. For sure, I think I'm glad you brought up the offensive line. We have been using these you know, the Pro Football Focus grades that they give on a per game basis. Really interesting statistics, since I don't. You know, we don't know the con like how to contextualize these versus what's happened in the past necessarily. We could do more research on that and eventually we will. Um, offensive line was our biggest concern he- heading into the season. And sure enough, it's the unit that is graded out the most poorly so far this year. It's against teams like Miami and Murray State. Um, like you said, the pass blocking, I mean, it graded out terribly against Miami of Ohio. I didn't think that they looked great in that game, I thought they looked average at best. Uh, maybe slightly below average. They graded out at a level that was that would say they were quite bad. Um, their pass blocking improved greatly against Murray State, and then we've remained, you know, pretty average in the run blocking space those first two games. The biggest concern there is is as a unit, like the, that's against pretty weak competition. Now you're going against better athletes, better talent, better coaching um, on the road against the likes of Indiana and Notre Dame, which you have to factor into that crowd noise. You have to factor into that uh, the ability to not commit penalties, not not get our, ourselves into first and fifteens or second and tens and second and you know second and twenties from holding or, or or false start penalties. This is going to be a big test for our offensive line, and it's probably going to be a bit of a bellwether for where this season goes, trajectory wise, based on what we see from that unit in this game against Indiana. Do you think that's fair? I think it's fair. Uh, the only other thing, too, that I see that sticks out as a big, big, weird uh, thorn, uh, just maybe because it annoys me more than anything, stop kicking the kickoffs out of bounds. It's unacceptable uh, to give such a short field. Uh, put, them, put them in the back of the end zone if you, if you can, or at least you got to get them in play. You, you can't keep kicking. We, we've seen too many of that the first two first two weeks yeah it's that's been very strange it seems like one of the easiest most avoidable things uh to just to just not happen is to, is to kick the ball inbounds make them return make your special teams cover make the tackle um you know i don't think we have a unit that can't execute on that front so it, it'll it'll definitely be a point of emphasis going forward you know i think uh we're heading into a matchup here against indiana our first big test of the season You'll hear later in the podcast, we talked to Sam Elliott about the lines, about the over-under, where our heads are at as we head into that game. You know, I don't know what necessarily we can take from Indiana's first two games of the season. I think the biggest takeaway for me is that they're probably not a, they're probably not operating at the level they were last season. Um, They really got beaten down substantially uh, by Iowa in that first game of the season. And then in their second game of the year against I believe it was Idaho State. It could have just been. Is it Idaho State, Hummer? Do I have that right? I believe so. 
you know, they, they won pretty easily, but again, the level of competition there, what, what are you taking away from that necessarily? It was just Idaho, not Idaho state. Um, I look at their team overall. It looks like, you know, a run based offense, uh, haven't had a ton of success passing the ball so far this season defensively have not been dominant. Even Idaho was able to, to put up, you know, 14 points against them. So I, I feel confident heading into this game, Hummer, especially the fact that I don't think that the Bearcats have opened up either side of the ball, their packages, um, all their tricks, all their bells and whistles. I think you're going to start seeing that against Indiana and then against Notre Dame as well. Preseason's over, boys. It's time to get the real games played. Just uh, my favorite stat of the week. Uh, if you are throwing the ball, to Sauce Gardner, your passer rating is a mere 31.6, I believe. I'm, I'm pulling that off of memory. I don't have the actual stat in front of me. And if you're a quarterback who throws the ball into the dirt every single play, I believe your passer rating is like a 36.9. And that means that you are better off throwing the ball into the dirt every time than to actually throwing it to sauce Gardner. Congratulations. That is an amazing stat. He is immensely talented. He, his arms are incredibly long. He seems to always be in the right place. It does not seem like a, a, it's a bold strategy cotton. If you decide that you're going to build your game plan around challenging sauce Gardner, I advise against it. I don't, I don't feel like that's the winning formula. Uh, you know, that's definitely a very hot, hot sauce uh, that you're, you're attempting to eat there. It's not going to go well for you. It's going to sting coming out the other end. Uh, just, I wouldn't, I don't suggest trying it, but you know what? Actually I do. I suggest you try it every time. Um, that way we get more interceptions because Joe and my, myself, I think we, we, Joe tricked me. I'm not, I can't throw it. He's not here to defend himself. Four and a half, I think, was the over that we, we attached to uh, defensive touchdowns this, this season. We were expecting to have a couple in the first two weeks. We're falling behind here, boys. Defensive <laughs> touchdowns are hard to come by, boys. I thought, I thought you were being a bit ambitious there when calling the easy over on four and a half. Um, that's something that's not playing out too well. I also think it's worth mentioning uh, that in our, our beer mile bet about who leads the Bearcats and catches this season, the two leading receivers so far this season are Tyler Scott and Jadon Thompson, Jaden Thompson. Um, hope I'm saying his first name, right? But they, they are each leading the team with five receptions. Each Tyler Scott has been an absolute uh, diamond in ter- like the, the shining star. Um, I don't even know that it's necessarily a surprise. There was a lot of buzz around this guy preseason in camp uh, with regard to his speed, his ability to get open. All of that is translated to the field so far. The, the athleticism and speed and quickness we have from a wide receiver standpoint is exceptional. You've got Scott Thompson. We haven't even mentioned Michael Young Jr., Alec Pierce, Trey Tucker. And then you also have Josh Wiley out there who, who again, I don't think he had a catch against Murray State. Uh, he's only got two so far this season. There are so many options for Des Ritter in so many places for him to spread the ball around. It's why I'm bullish, I guess, going into Indiana, Notre Dame, and so forth with all of the options they have 
to get these guys running open. If Des Ritter is accurate in the least, we're going to score 30 points game in, game out. These guys are running open consistently. They're athletic. They're quick. Um, it's a heck of a unit that Fickle and his staff have built up here. I'm very, very, very impressed with that wide receiver unit. I am feeling pretty good about, uh, I think it's, it's the touchdown scored. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty confident that Ford's going to take, take that title. Yeah, except your prediction was that he would lead the team in receiving touchdowns. Which And I was really hoping you wouldn't remember that. He's, he's just not going to do that, Hummer. And I think you should probably stop mentioning that because it's going to it's going to feel more and more embarrassing as the season goes along. Well, I thought we did do another one that was rushing touchdowns. Uh, I think we had an over under in there and he's got four. He's going to hit the over. I think we were all bullish on this guy going 11, 12 touchdowns. And, and that seems very much in the realm. That's what of I, I thought we I thought we had one that was also him. Him v. Ritter who is going to have more touchdown rushing touchdowns. Okay. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's off to the races in that regard. Um, yeah. I still think a lot of, still a lot of season left though. Offensively. There's just so much, there's a lot of talent and a lot of athleticism. And, you know, I think we've only seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what this team can do offensively. And I think that's intentional. I just, and I'm saying this for a team that scored 42 against Murray state uh, 49 against Miami. It's not like they've struggled necessarily, I just think you're going to see them, you know, after a first half like we had against um, against Murray State, there's some apprehension there about how they execute long term against better teams. I I think the only possible reason we don't score points and we don't score big against the likes of Indiana or Notre Dame, and I've watched Notre Dame. Notre Dame is slow as hell on defense. That is not a defense that scares me. Marcus Freeman, be damned. Um, I think. The only thing that can potentially hold us back is our is the ability to block and, and protect Ritter and give lanes to Ford against better, more athletic, stronger defensive fronts. And I think you are going to see that with Indiana. You're definitely going to see that with Notre Dame. Nah, we're going to crush them. <laughs> That's a good spot to leave it on there, Hummer. Um, we'll go ahead and transition this then to the gambling man, Sam Antics. Sam Elliott is back on the podcast to talk some lines, some gambling. It's not advice. It's just what we're interested in. Um, Hummer, let's leave it there, buddy. Go Bearcats. We are now joined by the gambling man of the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast, the Sam Antics. Sam Elliott is back on the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. Welcome back, sir. It's just always so good to see you guys. Puts a smile on my face. That's for sure. Puts a smile on my face. And we can actually see you now. The, the garage is a little bit of ambiance. <laughs> the lighting situation has improved. <laughs> it's good to see you, sir. Where do, let's, let's kind of revisit where we left off last week, Sam. It was a funny week because the Bearcat line was not available at the time of our recording. That seemed to change late in the week. And then we also put some... Uh, we put um, some, what are we calling them, units? We put some units on the the Iowa-Iowa State rivalry, which I think turned out well for all of us. Yeah, that was the lock of the weekend. They're like one of my few actual wins of the weekend. <laughs> it was that kind of weekend, gentlemen. You sound like you, you don't. You lose some. That was a weekend of losing some. Which is why you don't take gambling advice from this Never podcast. listen to us. Never listen to us. <laughs> don't ever listen to us. 
but yeah, Friday, late Friday night, I'm just, you know, scrolling the sports books as one does. And what do you know? Cincinnati minus 35 and a half. Lock it in. Let's go. Uh, yeah. So the, this one of those games that just, I guess on Fridays, uh, Friday night, uh, books decided they had to put it out there and it looked so good. Tantalizing. And then, that, and, then that, and then that first half looked so <laughs> freaking bad. Oh my God. Uh, it was, it was beyond bad. It was like lost for words. You're like, I don't know what is happening. And the only thing you, I think you could say to yourself is quite literally in Fick, we trust like Fick's going to figure this out. Second half, they're going to come out and they do exactly what, what, what we think they would, they should have been doing. They end up steamrolling on, but in Fick, in Fick, we trust. Well, they, the mantra. But that they did not. That did they steamrolled them by thirty-five bags. points, not <laughs> yeah. by thirty-five and a half points. You guys, right? It was it, it was so the second straight hooked. week of a thirty-five nothing half, but they it wasn't quite enough to overcome the line. So I, I don't think in Fifty Trust did not play pay out in this case uh, quite literally for Cincinnati betters. Oh, it was what, brutal. Well, not for betters, but for our psyches, our mental. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what else to call it. Just. Just to not be just discom- like we went to the bars and had fun that night. You know, we didn't sit there and sulk and be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What uh, just yeah. happened? <laughs> you didn't get hooked. Homer. <laughs> that is, that is bounce, evidence. Hey, of we'll a, bounce back. We're going to bounce back second. here this weekend. Let's go. But hey, then, but whatever. Then, the big blowout win, whatever. The final score is what matters. And like it's having a little bit of, of a little bit of effect on like the national landscape futures odds wise for the bearcats i mean national title hopes well tell me tell me about what, the vegas 15, odds because in the right AP now poll, you, they, moved down, can... they moved down a spot in the ap poll but what happened to their gambling yeah. odds are we seeing a shift in in the in a positive direction no, they're getting again? Some, yeah they're getting respect like like the national championship odds alone down to between like plus 7500 to 10,000 instead of the 15,000 they started the year with uh the conference title just more and more becoming more and more of a lock, like started off the year at two to one right now you're looking at three, like three to one, like against like minus 300. Um, and kind of the two most, but the more interesting ones for real though, are Bearcats to make the playoff uh, preseason. That was plus 2,200 this as of this week, all the way down to plus 1200 as of Wednesday, September 14th, Tuesday. Sorry. I'm, I'm thinking about tomorrow. Tuesday, September 14th. Our guy Desmond Desmond Ritter Heisman campaign here. Preseason was like plus 5,000. I mean, books right now are a little all over the place between like plus 1200 to 2000. I saw one site had him That's basically a, like, aggregating like, it. He's getting respect. He's number six. Like he's he's basically number six right now uh, in line for the title. For the Heisman Trophy. He's, he's for I'm real. Calling, I'm calling it like, for him the title. So I mean, that, that first half was just bizarre, but like. He's uh, the first legit. half did nothing to help his case, but I also right. don't think that the game against. But Murray that's State, not going to be there. You're not putting that game in the highlight, the Heisman highlight no. reel anyways. And that's why. You're putting important games in the Heisman highlight reel. Right. Come on. Never, never take advice from this podcast with regard oh to gambling. God. But I will say this. If you're someone who believes the Bearcats are on the verge of, of beating Indiana at Indiana, 
and then traveling to South Bend and beating Notre Dame. Now is probably a good time to, to throw some capital on the Bearcat odds for making the college football playoff for the odds on Desmond Ritter Heisman trophy, because once those two wins happen, you're not getting, you're not getting remotely close to the same odds at that point. Like the, not, the national hype train will have officially left the station. Um, it'll be going full throttle snow piercer style <laughs> down, <laughs> down the track. There will be no stopping this thing. You got to get on now or just, you can't. Yeah. You have to do it now. But uh, you mentioned it going to Indiana, beating Indiana. Um, let's do it. You see sitting at minus three and a half at this point. We got a full growth of a full point from a week ago. So I know you're I like talking that's, about I like that's a situation. It at minus two and a half last week. Now you're going to have to go three and a half. Like minus I'm seeing four somewhere too. Is it, so line. you're still seeing some three and a halfs out there. Cause I've seen yeah, some fours yeah, I, as well. I pulled what I pulled here was like the best I could get right now. Like officially. Wow. So despite Indiana's uh, thrashing of the Idaho potatoes, they still <laughs> got no respect and, and we're are giving up more points to the Bearcats at their home stadium. And then. Yeah. And then the over under you, you took the gamble like you took right the gamble at 50, 50 and a half. And then what I think though is like the most interesting part is like at a couple places you can grab as of right now, you can grab just the Bearcats over under. You see over under 26 and a half. That's tempting. Wow. That's tempting. <laughs> Tantalizing, I might I might describe it as. <laughs> Yeah. So I'll, yeah. You see minus three and a half. So if I'm, if I'm rewinding a little bit, Hummer, you locked yourself in last week, right? Hummer's locked in at Bearcats minus two and a half. Yeah. Well done, sir. Well done. He made the, he made the calculated gamble of getting the Bearcats, you know, that he didn't get him out of pick them. Instead he had to, he, he did have to, to take some points there, but, but you've got a better line than me or Sam can get this week. So kudos to you, sir. Kudos to you. What was remind me, Sam? What was the over under in this game? The total over under, sitting like fifty, even maybe fifty and a half. Okay, this is interesting. You know, I think I think the line now has moved in a direction that is a little more intriguing because I don't necessarily, I'm not picturing a Bearcats blowout at Indiana. Are either of you picturing a blowout? Uh, yes. Ooh, I do not think this game will be close. I think Indiana is trash. There are riddle, and it's not trash because of like talent. It's trash because of injuries. So I think it's not going to be close. Uh, I do think that there's a reasonable chance that we'll hit the under solely because Indiana is not going to score that much, similar to the Murray State, Murray State situation there. Um, and I don't necessarily think we're you know we're going to go in and just absolutely steamroll and throw up you know 35 second half points uh, against them. So. I definitely think it's still going to be a pretty one one-sided lopsided scoring scoring fest. How about you Sam? Where are you leaning? Where where are your unit units heading this week? Ooh. I mean, I think my pulled, favorite pulled the play, mic away. He's torn. I think my favorite play of the game is Bearcats over 26 and a half. I feel pretty good about that one too. I think that the Bearcats when you, when you pair in our defense, putting us in advantageous positions throughout the game, the fact that Des Ritter 
I, I kind of have this working theory and I wish I, I dug a little deeper on the stats and maybe I will before you hear or have already heard the first half of this podcast, but I have this theory, this working theory that when the Bearcats are playing competition, like Miami of Ohio, like Murray state, that the offense is dumbed down to the point of letting Des try out things that he doesn't normally thrive on necessarily, right? Like we're going to stretch the field more. We're going to look for more shots downfield. We're not going to necessarily see him run the ball as much as he will in the, in the, in the biggest games of the season, like he did against, you know, other, other teams in the past, like central Florida or Tulsa, you see him use his legs a bit more against Indiana against Notre Dame. I feel like you might see the Bearcats go back to a style of offense with a shorter passing game, more running, more Jerome Ford, and, I, and that will serve us well because that's what we do very well. So if that's what comes true, you know, it, it's not hard to see us get over that 26 and a half mark. Man, give me all of the Jerome, Jerome Ford stock. Tried to say last week, man, like bye, that, that's bye, the bye. sleeper offensive player of the year in the American Athletic Conference. Like that's, that is the sleeper play for this, this coming conference season. Do we have odds on that? That was something no. we couldn't get odds on, right? That's too niche. No, too niche for the people. Not at this point. You can't even get uh, player props on this weekend's game, right? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and and lock in the over my my unit. I'm putting a full unit on just the game over. I'm going over on the game. I I Indiana's got a really. I think they got a pretty solid run game and. It's not that I don't believe in the defense's ability to stop their run game or or contain their offense overall, but it's a road game at a solid Big Ten school that, that made some noise last season, struggled mightily in their first game of the year against Iowa, but then Iowa went down uh, down the road and spanked Iowa State this week, so that's clearly a pretty good team. I've got them putting up just enough points in addition to the Bearcats winning the game, scoring about 31, probably finishing with like a 31 27 31 24 final score either of those is going to get us the over um so i'm taking the over i'm sending my full unit on the over for the uc indiana game noted hummer are you adding any units or are you just locked in at the at the bearcats covering that's it mm. you know what mm. Mm. Yes, we're gonna stick. We're gonna stick. You know what? No, we're gonna we're gonna par we're we're gonna parlay that into the Bearcat over. So we're just living in fantasy land where Hummer can change bets, right? Midstream, we're okay with that. No, I was kidding. You're all right. I did lock in the two five, so I can't parlay <laughs> the week after. I'll put an extra one of my units on the Bearcat over. Ooh, no, right. no parlay, just the Bearcat over. And Sam, you're in on the Bearcat over, correct? Yeah. All right. That's, it's too. It's just too <laughs> tempting. Should, that, yeah, should me and Hummer, should Sam and I feel ashamed that we're not picking the Bearcats to cover four or three and a half? Yes. I mean, you're picking the over on the Bearcats scoring 26. And quite frankly, like, yes, this is going to be a blowout. Uh, um, you should well, definitely I mean, be taking the... Like, this. Be, yeah, come on. Obviously. Put another unit on the Bearcats to cover three and a half. Lock me in. Lock me in. Lock me in, baby. Beat it's me up, Scotty. Baby. Beat me happening. up, Sammy. It's happening. All right. Well, let's. So let's after be, we've got our picks locked in, Sammy, share any other fun nuggets you've got this week. All right. Well, on the so after, 
after we beat after Bearcats beat the Hoosiers mentioned you got a week a week off but then travel to Notre Dame who is a seven point favorite this week against Purdue um I don't know if you know this guys but the Irish have looked awful this year very pedestrian very, very pedestrian very On pedestrian the, I'll just say this I Toledo know at home you guys it was whew, it was rough Sam do you have any confessions are we going to talk about your history with Notre Dame should we mention this is this I, I something we gonna, should bring up? I wasn't gonna bring it up, but you got you. I, I, I'm gonna bring. I know it up. you. Let's talk. Let's up. hash it out. Let's talk about it a little bit. What's going on? What's going on with your your Notre Dame fandom? I mean, I live in the state of Indiana. Oh. My mother's entire family grew up in South Bend, Mishawaka, to be exact. Um, <laughs> I spent countless countless days and months yeah time in in south bend and i worship the touchdown jesus the history the movie rudy all of it i just love it all grandma would take us tailgating to you know we we wouldn't have tickets to the game but we would have ticket parking passes to go tailgate because that was back when they, they were decent so tickets to the game were expensive so when the Bearcats um, travel to South Bend, your allegiance is to whom? In Vic, we trust. Des Ritter <laughs> for Heisman, baby. Bearcats, red and black, all the way. boy. Well, it, it is interesting to see that they went to Florida State in the first week, won 41-38 in overtime. Florida State lost to Jacksonville State this week, this past week. On so embarrassing to a football game of all time. It's one of so the most crazy. embarrassing defensive possessions or, or yeah, individual plays I've ever seen. It's the most embarrassing I've seen since Joe Flacco threw a bomb over the Denver Broncos back in what, 2016 or so? It must have been 2015, maybe. Just embarrassing, embarrassing defense. Did you listen to the floor? So, I, like the the call they keep having, obviously, is the Jacksonville State announcers, yeah, you know, calling the game, and like they're going crazy. It's even better to listen to it from Florida State's perspective, though, because you oh, hear the glorious. guy take his take his headset off and slam it. You can hear him just like like this, basically this bullshit. Yeah, and but he also goes, he also goes, I told him, I told him. Like he was he was saying the play before. You have to go full prevent. You cannot let this ball go over you. That's all you have to do on this play. They don't execute. They don't get it done. The wide receiver somehow catches it wide open and is able to juke out uh, two different Florida State players. And the and the the color commentator is just absolutely beside himself, trying to proclaim that he told the players, "I told him you got to play prevent." I told him. <laughs> but anyway, you're right, Sam. Then they came home and and Toledo. They had to pull off like a, a miracle possession there at the final. Final minute wild, of the game, winning stuff. 32-29. Just not the most promising start for Marcus Freeman and, and the Notre Dame fighting Irish. I will say that. Not at all, but still somehow seven-point favorites at home against Purdue. Where does their Next. line, where does our line stand right now against Notre Dame? Well, here, let me just take it to Notre, Notre Dame's next three weeks. I mean, this weekend, seven-point favorites at home against Purdue. Next weekend, they go to Wisconsin. Right now, they're a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Then they get the Bearcats at home. Right now, Fighting Irish, minus two-and-a-half. Ooh, that's, that's a solid amount of respect for the Bearcats. 
And, but you're giving me two and a half when I think that the Bearcats should be favored. Like that to me is that's, that, that's a no brainer for, for where you, where you allocate your funds with the Bearcats against the Irish. It could get this could get out of hand for the for Notre Dame pretty quickly. Like if we're if we're banking they, on them being a really solid victory, I mean they play a crazy schedule. Like is it crazy? Is it crazy? I mean they at least like scheduled it well. With they couldn't help. I mean, yeah, I think they play they play a tougher schedule this year than they did. In they the played. ACC they played a terrible year. Florida State team. They played Toledo. They're playing Purdue. These are with Purdue, Wisconsin. These are like legit programs. Ugh. Uh, and I hate for a team who, who's that's so easily someone, that's coming granted. from someone who hates the Big Ten. Yeah, so many, so many of the teams. Like, Notre Dame at least like schedules. The big, like, yeah, I, I, I think that the Bearcats are going to beat Notre Dame, and I think it's going to turn out to be a victory over a team that ends up with like four losses. Notre Dame is going to lose like four or five games this season. I was going to say. Well, look. Was, hopefully, we get the, hopefully we get the hopefully we get the Iowa treatment. Hopefully we get the Iowa treatment because as of right now, Iowa has beaten, you know, you know, a 17th ranked Indiana team who's obviously garbage. They were like uh, sitting at 31 in the polls if like if the poll if the rankings went to the 30s. Right, and then you get and then you get a uh, an Iowa State team is clearly overrated, and it's the win is the winds are powerful enough to propel you up five spots in the ranking this week because you have to have a Big Ten team in the top ten. Like, you just have to. There's a there's an unwritten rule of college football that you have to have at least one Big Ten, one ACC, and one SEC. No one cares about the Pac-12. There's not a rule for the Pac-12. But you have to have one of those three schools, and it's a rule. None, of, me, this, none of this is hard to predict. Before the season started, everyone exactly. could see that Iowa State – North Carolina and Texas were all severely overrated in the preseason polls. That was a consensus. Yet somehow these teams get gifted top 10 rankings or top 15 rankings, just inexplicable stuff. And, and I guess the only way to explain it is, is a extreme bias toward these power five air quotes programs that, um, simply never back it up with on-field performance. It's disappointing. Notre Dame is another one, honestly, that has an inflated ranking. This year I allowed it because it, it benefits us to see them as inflated as possible. Uh, but nonetheless, if I ask you guys, is Notre Dame, are they going, when we play Notre Dame, are they going to be four and oh, three and one or two and two? What will be the record of Notre Dame when they face off against Cincinnati? Um, they'll beat Purdue. They'll beat Purdue at home. Agreed. Um, I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say they will be. They will be undefeated when they when we play them. All right, I like that. That's good news. I hope that happens. I'm I'm predicting they're going to be. They're going to be two and two. I think they're going to lose to Purdue, and I think they're going to lose to Wisconsin. I feel like that's really bad news for us if we come in and it's it's two and two. I'm just not. I'm, I'm I don't know. Call me super, I'm going to call it superstition, whatever it may be. That's the Coomer's just putting the Coomer, the Coomer reverse jinx has spoken. I'm I'm going to stick with that prediction and let it sit there. Okay. I think it's. I think I'm just going to. Coomer's speaking that into existence. <laughs> so what are the lines for those games? Coomer's putting 
He's putting a, a unit on each of them in the parlay back to back weeks. Not happening. Purdue, Wisconsin. Are there if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pivot away from Notre Dame after making such an outlandish proclamation, are there any other you know box scores or or game casts that we should be watching this weekend? What else should we be keeping our eye on this week? Uh, a lot of the other top ranked teams are playing somewhat cupcakes, you know, of teams ranked ahead of us. Um, the one exception, like the one like theoretically possible, but I don't think it's possible is number one, Alabama plays at number 11, Florida. Um, Either way, we're, we're, we're damned if we do. Damn yeah, I think to me, exactly. Florida, wins, keeps Florida jumps people. us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, yeah. If, I think from our perspective, Alabama just keep keep curb stopping people because yes. if Florida beats Alabama, Alabama drops to what? Like three and Florida will definitely rise to like fifth in the country, jumping us easily, just like Iowa did easily. after beating a completely overrated Iowa State team. Um, which we could all see coming from a mile away. Yeah, so so Alabama is a 15 and a half point favorite on the road. Roll Tide, boys. That's what I'm I would, saying this I, weekend. Yeah, roll I, I want to get all over that. I want to be, uh, I want units on Alabama. Uh, yeah. Roll goddamn Tide, roll. Um, all right, last little. We, we get to see uh, Tulsa, an American athletic team against Ohio State at Ohio State this week. Oh, no, that yeah, line's at 24, 24 and a half. Yeah. Uh, my game of the week is number two, Georgia versus the directional school of the SEC, South Carolina. Uh, love, love a good, love a good directional school. Uh, is that directional? Their state is directional. I know. It's just South fun Carolina to say it pulled is. off the win against our boys, our friends, uh, Eastern Carolina. That's worth mentioning. They were that was a pick 'em, right? And they pulled it out yeah. twenty to seventeen. Vegas. It, by the time boys. gate, by the time it closed, it closed at like. Uh, South Carolina minus two, two and a half or something like that. Yeah, this the but slate still. this week is not as fun. It's great for us. A 12 yeah. noon game at Indiana. Central Florida first. at Louisville might be, you know, that's a power five game. Big 12. They should they should, they they should put put Louisville to bed nice and early in that one. They're seven, they're seven point favorite on the road. But right, who's, who's favored? Who's who's favored? Central, Central Florida. Florida. Sure. Okay. I just want to make I just want to make sure you guys are calling them by their proper name. Okay. Central Florida for sure. <laughs> and then we've our our uh, our new Big 12 brethren, BYU, is home against Arizona State. They have started the year two and oh, just had a big win against Utah. So there are some interesting games out there, but all in all, it's not the type of slate we've grown accustomed to in the first two weeks. Though big twelve, big twelve for, big for Bearcats 12. specifically, it is it is the first it's the first real game of the year. So I am looking forward to seeing this measuring stick against yeah. indiana prior to uh prior to this notre dame clash Absolutely. any final thoughts boys on the uh got, on the gambling front i do i got my last little bonus nugget um yeah, last week it was the you know early look at hoops this week you can play around with the new espn um car insurance playoff predictor um as of right now it says that if the bearcats win out win the rest of their games, uh, win their conference championship, gives them a 60% chance to make the college football playoff. That is depressing. That is a that's actually 4% chance at winning the title. Um, Which but, is probably very accurate if we're playing Alabama. But also interesting is, according to the ESPN, you know, car insurance 
playoff predictor. Um, they give the Bearcats a win probabilities for every game. Their win probability for the Bearcats against Indiana, 55%. Win probability at Notre Dame, 42%. That feels disrespectful. <laughs> it should be it should be 50-50 at worst. But if you're watching these games and you look at the talent on the field, the Bearcats, I don't know if the national media or I don't know if the national conglomerate realizes this, are actually very athletic offensively and have a lot of speed. And if you've watched Notre Dame's defense, it is full of guys who don't have speed. So I do, I am feeling more and more confident as the weeks go by that our confidence and our, um, you know, our brashness about beating Notre Dame at their place is, is founded in, in fact, it's founded in what we're seeing on the field and uh, it's just inevitable. That is the sound the field in that first half. of inevitability. I guess Murray State. Mr. Anderson, that you sound you hear is the sound of inevitability. <laughs> you know what I saw out of that first half, though? I saw opportunity for improvement, okay? That you did. That's what I saw. <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody's heard us talk about that, Hummer, in the first half of the podcast. So we'll leave it there, boys. I appreciate Sam coming back on for your gambling wisdom. So far, I'd say it's a pretty solid start for our little upstart here. Again, don't take our advice. We're just three guys talking through our own thoughts and about these lines and these over You don't have to listen. Don't listen to us. Yeah. But don't don't li- you know, listen to us. But don't, don't listen to us. Don't take our advice. Yeah. All right, Sammy. We'll talk to you next week. Go Bearcats. Go Bearcats.